Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Welcome to Bluebells Forever. And today I have Rachel Williams, is how those of you who danced with her will know her. And on Facebook, Rachel Williams Brennan. So welcome, Rachel. Hello, Sherry. Thank you I for having me. I'm so happy. We just like, I love the pre-record just to get to know somebody and like, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a fun one. <laughs> just have like oh. this fun spirit. And we've already had some fun conversations. And then I go, oh, I got to start recording because I don't want to miss or like, do we oh, yeah. say that? I have to start out because you're, there's a picture of you with Miss Bluebell that is absolutely stunning. She Aww. looks like a small child next to you. Like you're saying, like, <laughs> you'll have to talk about your tall goddess story that you just told, but just like, it's such a great picture. Cause I, I have been adding more pictures of Miss Bluebell because that's who we're naming this podcast after. And that's who started our careers and gave us this wonderful yeah. opportunity. But that picture really stood, stood out to me because you're in all your full glory in your showgirl outfit and Miss Bluebell next to you. It's just it's such a great Aww. shot. And so then I think I looked you up, but I don't even know if I reached out to you first. I'm always confused. I just see pictures and it's sometimes the pictures that make me go, Oh, who is this? And I'll look at all the shows you've done. I'm like, Oh, this will be a good interview because Aww. I love if we only had bluebells, but you know, people have done other shows. It adds a different perspective and you know, none of us had the same childhood. So I'm going to read what you sent me. And I love that you thought of this because I think you and one other person like, Hey, let me help you. Give me my, your bio. So oh. I had a little head start. So I'm going to, I'm going to read it how you wrote it because I love your um, descriptors. Rachel Williams, a native of Wales has enjoyed a long glittering career. Thank you for adding glittering. Former ballet dancer trained at the prestigious arts education schools after a chance trip to Paris and meeting Pierre Rambert. Rachel was offered the job on the spot as a bluebell at the Lido Paris. After moving on to soloist at the world-famous Moulin Rouge, she then followed her dreams of musical theater and swapped Bijou for Claws in Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber's long-running musical Cats in London's West End. That's super impressive. Rachel went on to throw crowds with her series of sell sellout one-woman shows through Los Angeles and Las Vegas and re recently back home at Card Cardiff's at YMC. Oh, Card yeah, that's right. Cardiff is the city. Oh, Cardiff. I added an R. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, As yeah. a public speaker. Oh. oh, I'm going to come. We're going to come back and I'm going to have all kinds of clarification. As a public speaker, Rachel enjoys sharing tales of her dancer's life in her talks, Parisian high kicks, exclamation point. She also runs popular dance classes for 50s plus and believes it's never too late to dance. A first-class singer and performer, Rachel has also turned her hand to directing and producing her proudest production, are her three children. That's the best bio. So, okay, we're done. Thank you and good night. <laughs> so well, we'll yeah, talk. With, that's all we need. But that was that's so good because it, a lot of us will have our story of bluebells, and then somehow we are doing something else. We're wives or running a business, but there is, you know, there's a journey in between. There's a journey that gets us there. Yeah. So where did you grow up? Because I just love that you were actually on the West Coast for a while here. Um. Oh, yes, I was for a while. I grew, I, I was born in London, um, but my parents are Welsh. My mum, I suppose, is sort of what's called London Welsh, in that um, there was a time when they were called the Cowboys, when her, her family, her father and his brother, they took their cows and they, they, they brought the cows, the cows, oh dear, <laughs> 
all the way from Wales to London and then set up shops. And my grandfather had a grocer's in the middle of London and my uncle had his cow in the backyard and then he had a dairy. <laughs> so anyway, so that, that's why my mother is called London Welsh, but all her family was Welsh, uh, is Welsh and my father's family is Welsh. So I grew up in, I was born in London, but he thought it would be nicer to be brought up in a, a sort of a smaller, slightly more relaxed place right on the sea in a place called Aberystwyth. Wow. So that's where I was, that's where I grew up. Um, so shall I just keep going with the whole story or did well, you have a question? I will probably Can't interject you? questions because I always think it's interesting because when we start asking a question, then sometimes the guest is like, oh, I haven't thought of that for a while or something will pique an interest oh, yeah. of like oh, this, I mean, cause the story could go seven directions. We could just talk about the cow for an hour and just your well, childhood. <laughs> cause that's a good story. So being in a small town, cause I'm always fascinated how people find dance because there are assumptions. Sometimes if you're in London, you're going to get the best training, but a lot of times those small towns, somebody else ended up there who ends up being a fabulous teacher. And, and like these dancers are given yeah. a privilege. They might not have get, you would assume you would get in small towns. So I what think, was your uh, well, introduction think, well, to I dance? Was, when I was in London, I went to quite a large dar um, primary school called Whitegate School <laughs> for girls. And actually, no, there were boys there. Yes, there were boys as well. So I, I just made that last bit up. But we had a teacher called Mrs. Collins. And I remember her. She was very 70s. She had that very sort of lovely auburn hair, long hair. Anyway, and we would do, we called it like free dance. It was a bit Isadora Duncan. And what I loved about it was the dresses. They were like little satin white floaty things. And I was, I just loved them. And the minute I had my little satin white floaty dress on, I was gone. So when we, when we left the school, because when my father said, let's move back to Wales, um, Miss Collins had wrapped according to my mum. She grabbed me and she said, please, please, this is my mother, just a little bit dramatic. <laughs> please, please get, keep Rachel dancing. She's born for it, keep her dancing. So that was that. And I just, um, from quite a young age, I just sort of assumed that's what I was gonna do. It never occurred to me to do. I think maybe I had a flight of fancy and thought I'd be a nurse. But I just like the costume, you see, really. I was going to come back to that. That dress was the thing. And then it's so funny to think of you in the most prestigious cabarets in the world, like with the best costumes anyone could wear. And that's the thing that like, oh, guess what, little girl, you're going to wear the most amazing costumes and get paid for it. Like what a what yeah, an insight into both story. parts of our childhood. Like, what is it? Because some people are in there because, well, it's just what little girls do and you know, you just go along and go, well, now what am I going to do with it? But I love that you were captivated by the beauty and the costumes, like right off the bat. Yeah. And I suppose because my father was, he loved music. So he would play, he played the piano. He was an, he was a, a, an architect, a chartered surveyor, but he loved music. He was proper Welsh, always, wherever there's a piano, he'd play it. And it was very, um, relaxing for him he would sit and he would just let go of the day when he'd go downstairs finish work and play the piano and then my mum she did do ballet and oh. she tells a story about when some French woman came to their ballet club and said this girl must come with me and come to Paris but of course 
in those days, it wasn't the sort of thing you did. So my mum never went. So she just only did ballet to a certain point, but she was sporty till she was about, you know, 16 and, and things. But yeah, I think it was just there. It, I think it was just sort of there in the genes. And it's the storytelling. Welsh people like telling stories. And your oh. dancing is telling story, isn't it? So, Ooh. yeah. And ballet only, or did you try jazz oh, or it, tap? It was, it was very serious oh, no, ballet. No such thing. Oh, really? No, 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 just the ballet. And we went to, when I went, I first went to uh, Bristol, so then I was about five. I started ballet with um, Miss Winifred Woollett, who was about a um, hundred. And she had little teeth that would go up and down inside her, the false teeth, you know, they'd be like, <laughs> and then she had a stick. She was like very witchy, um, <laughs> but she was still doing the solos in our ballet displays. And <gasps> she was doing, she was very well known for her dying swan. And she didn't give anyone else the opportunity. <laughs> she would do the solo. But uh, yeah, oh my gosh. And then it was after, so I'd been with Miss Woollett for a bit. And then I did a ballet exam with a woman called Claire Thomas. And then she, I'm not sure what happened. I think she loved Aberystwyth. And she was a Royal Academy, did I just say she was an examiner? And then she became a teacher. So then she was the one who said to my parents, um, I think you should consider going to perform a, like a professional um, vocational school. Mm. So that's when I, then I auditioned. I don't know if I'm jumping on ahead. I can't remember what I just said. But um, I don't know, I'm like having like, as though I've got somebody here. So I keep doing a little aside. I am that stranger. <laughs> um, so I did audition for the Royal Ballet School. And it was a very weird experience. I was doing very well. I knew it. I could see them all looking at me and I knew they liked me. And I was really very good at feeling. I wasn't so good at pointing my toes and things like mm. that, but I was very feeling and dramatic. And um, I then they took me to a little room and it was weird. They said, turn around. And I thought, ooh, and they were taking a photograph of my back. You know, and I was only little and I thought, ooh, they're taking a picture of my bum. That's weird. Uh, they weren't. It was my spine. And then they called my parents and they were very dramatic. And they said, we're frightfully sorry because they're very posh. But we're sorry to say that Rachel will grow to be too tall to be a ballerina. And it was a bit devastating. Mm. It was a bit devastating. But then I had also then auditioned for the All Singing, All Dancing Arts Educational School. And I'd got in. So I didn't really mind because I, I got accepted to this other school that I knew did a bit of everything. They did a bit of... Mm. It wasn't really... They didn't do... Um, musical theatre they didn't call it musical theatre there was there was special ballet and special drama and then oh I've forgotten it they had a really weird word for the one that was just sort of in the middle as though it didn't matter didn't it but mm. now of course now they've they the school is is incredible it's but what I did do when I went to Tring was that I wanted to uh I don't know if it, it's sort of linked. Um, when you go, the, this place, it's like Downton Abbey. 
it's in it's like it's in the old Rothschild mansion in Tring Park and it's apparently there were so many stories it's a bit like Harry Potter you know that kind of school with the staircase wooden not the staircases that move around on their own but you know <laughs> fancy staircase like that I mean. but um we used to dance in the ballroom where they had um marble statues everywhere and there was this one statue that was coming out of the fireplace like this and there was an, a hinge on her wing she was an angel and apparently if you moved the wing down the fireplace opened and there was a secret passage all the way up into the woods where there is Nell Gwynne's column where apparently Charles I used to go and get his oranges oh my Nell gosh Gwynne. <laughs> this just feels like a wonderful place because it sounds like you had a vivid imagination. You love storytelling. So this environment sounds like, unless, you know, like if you come out oh. of a strict ballet school where sometimes you don't get to tap into that, this seems like it tapped into that story oh, and creative right. and imagination. And, oh yeah. Cause even just listening and watching you face, your face light up, it's like, it feels magical. Like it's making oh. dance, not just be um, task or duty or the structure is wonderful. We need that. But just when you talk about that, like you, there's something that's come so alive. I'm like, what an experience for a kid who is told you're too tall. And you're like, oh, there's another option, which every bluebell is so grateful for because like you either were told already you're going to be too tall, which I've never heard that from the spine. But then to, to have another option is to like, well, just stop dancing. It's just so sad to think if you'd stop dancing and not have that experience oh. of even just a school, like just like, sorry, you're done. I think I was too far gone then. I couldn't have possibly have stopped. Mm. And I, what, I, what I really liked, I've got to say, to be honest, I think what I really liked is what I just felt was natural was the performing. Yeah. You know, and I didn't, I could have worked harder on my, my splits and a bit harder on my pointy toes and a bit harder on my point work was just a bit of a stretch. I, I was um, I didn't want I didn't want to go through that kind of pain. I but I you know well I did no no, no I was okay and no, I was quite good at point work. But um, but yes I just liked the performing. I just I just loved I liked and I loved mm. the music. I just love that any like dancing music that you that captures your imagination like you say. But the school was really, it had secret passages. There was, a, there was a room that had all fake books on. And then you pushed it and then you went into a little secret place where you, that's where we went to our drama lessons. I mean, it was, it was really, it was, a, it was, it was a bit like, I don't know if you know the books by Annie Blyton, Mallory Towers. Mm -mm. Oh, I suppose, yes. It was like Mallory Towers, or do you know about the Naughty Girls, the St. Trinians? We were a bit naughty. Oh, really? Yeah, we did. We did have midnight feasts. <laughs> were you living and there? Was this like a boarding situation too? Boarding school. Oh my yeah. gosh! Wow. And I got into major trouble because I was waving out of the window to the village boys who would come <laughs> up from the village, and and yes, and I remember I was told off in assembly, and, and Mrs. Jack was this formidable headmistress, really old fashioned. And we had to curtsy to her as we walked past. So you develop this little curtsy because most of the time you were running. So you had to go run, 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 bop, run, run, run. 
because you just sort of did a half a curtsy on the way running. And, and in assembly, she said, Rachel Williams. She was, she was Welsh. Are you boy mad? <laughs> and I, I was like, no, Mrs. Jack, but I probably was a bit, but you know. Uh, but it was all girls. It was all, now it's boys and girls now, which is much more you know, natural. But yes, but anyway, what I really wanted, I was very ambitious and I wanted, they had these cups. You had the ballet cup, the singing cup, the drama cup, the stage cup. And I wanted that stage cup for when I first went there and found out about it. Because the stage cup to me was, oh, you, you could get the stage cup if you could do singing and dancing. And um, yes, and I suppose then it was towards the end of my time there, um, we did a sort of a competition thing and um, and I sang if they could see me now and I did that song and then I and I won the stage cup and it's my name is on the boards really As, yes they put your name meticulously with this white uh, paint and I thought oh sh and I was just curious we you know over lockdown when you just think of all sorts of things I thought oh I wonder if those boards are still up. I wonder, because I'm trying to tell my children these stories and they're like, yeah, yeah, mum, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, no, there is a board somewhere there with my name on. Maybe it's, it's taken down now because it's so long. Um, anyway, a friend called Katie Werner on Facebook, she said, I've just been to Tring, look what I found. And there was my name. Was oh, you're still on the, there. Yeah, she's, she was, I think she got the singing cup. But above me, quite a bit above me julie andrews <gasps> yeah really yeah. oh my gosh so i think she must have gone i think she must have gone there but when she went there it wasn't called tring park or arts educational it was called the cone ripman school which is the two founders but anyway cool. i don't know if go on don't I? No, this is that's the whole point of an interview because I have people apologize. I go, I just talk, I go, that's the whole point. We're getting to know you. And I love all the other because like how we all end up there, like to now picture you at the at the lead on the Mulan makes this even more fun to think of how you of what kind of a kid you were. Oh. So what was that? Were you a teenager going through all this too at this school? Did you do it all through your education? Yeah. At that school? Oh, I you was did. there from I was there from eleven to seventeen. And then I went to the London school, the London version of the arts educational school. But um, I was, I loved it, but it was only when I first went there that I was terribly homesick. And homesickness is weird because you can continue what you're doing, but you just keep crying at the same time. Oh, it's really yeah. an odd thing. And the crying is weird because it just comes out of your eyes. So you're talking to people, yes, I'm all right. And then there's just tears coming out. It was very oh. odd. And they, they said I was allowed one phone call. So I rang my parents or they were allowed to ring me. And I remember them uh, saying, we'll come and get you. And I said, no, 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 no. I love it. I love it here. I just miss you, but I'm fine. Oh. And so I said, no, no. So, yeah. It was uh, that's like that's lovely. a thing in America. We don't have boarding schools, or I don't know, I don't know anyone here. But so oh, many of the interviews that, that I've talked to, because it's interesting thinking of myself at that age. But it's really interesting to think of me imagining my children at that age leaving. Oh, it's so like exactly. oh my gosh, how would I survive as a mother? But 
to imagine them not being homesick because my daughter left at 19. I went to Australia for a while and I was like, missed her. And that homesickness is so real, but then she's having fun because she's somewhere else. I was home missing her. So I'm still living that life with her out out the house, but she is homesick, but also like meeting new friends and new adventures. And, but that's just, I think it's, it's definitely not an American thing to go away that young and live somewhere. And you have to be pretty serious. It's not for just for fun here. We threaten to send everybody to military camp. If you're bad, we're going to send you to military camp. (laughs) That's not as much fun. I've heard. No. Did, were no. they telling you what you could do with this career or were you just going along because it was super, really fun? Or did you have like, when I graduate, I'm going to pursue professional dance or acting or? Um, well, um, well, when I was there, we, I suppose I was encouraged a lot in my dancing, but I still wanted to do the drama but I wasn't on the drama course, but I somehow, I think I still did my drama exams and I still did singing exams. So, um, gosh, I think about it really. I mean, it cost the earth to go, but I was, I did an audition for the Welsh government, which you don't do anymore. And they gave me what's called a grant to go there. Yeah. I don't know why, what was it you were saying about, um, the boarding schools yes I was wondering where they that whole where it came from whose idea was that to send children I think I yeah I don't know I always wonder if it's just because people were working or if it's back in farming times where you know the parents could work and somebody else would (laughs) it's such a very interesting non-American concept but a lot of those people that did that came out with very strong careers ready to go where here, you know, they yes, graduate from high school, then go to college to pursue the arts. And by a lot of people's standards, it's kind of lost time that you could have been training more serious. Yeah, I felt I felt I went there because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be, I wanted to perform and I wanted to be on stage at some point. And that's, and so when I went to, to Tring, that's what I, there was a lot of, of onus on the ballet side of thing. We were doing all lots of ballet exams, but, um, but still in my mind, I never ever thought I was going to be a ballet dancer ever. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't want to be, I like floating around. I like, I love ballet, but it wasn't really my, my thing. And I, I loved the feeling, like you said, and then the, ex- the expression in the music, but I liked that. I liked what I did at stage cup. When I won that stage cup, that was a moment for me. That was like, yes, this is what you're, you're going to do. This kind of thing, this singing and dancing. Oh. And I just loved, I just, I was very, very stuck on Hollywood and the, those Gene Kelly. And later on, when I moved to LA, I had a, such a weird moment when I realized, because I all my life, I was like, one day I'm going to dance with Gene Kelly and I'm going to dance with Bob Fosse. Yes, it's going to happen. And then, when I finally got to America, of course, they were they were dead. I just still oh. thought that somehow when I got to Hollywood, they'd still be there. Yeah, they're waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. no. Well, that's somebody's talk about yeah. even in the ballet companies that you spend so much time rehearsing and very little time performing. So when you get to do something oh. like Lido, you'd rehearse a lot to get the show up. But then you it's all about performance, where I think a lot of ballet company if you break up the ratio, it's a very small amount of time that's performing and the rest of it is. So if you love performing, that would be hard to 
have that limited yeah. amount. I mean, I know like if you're in a prof- professional company, you do get a few weeks every few months, but it is interesting to go. If I want to perform and I can do it every night of the week for my a whole year or longer, it's a, it's a big difference for a performer. Yes. I, 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 there were just little signs all over the place. I mean, if we were going to do some ballet dancing, um, I wouldn't be in the ballet dancing bit or I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a little solo to do like some of my other lovely friends who are beautiful dancers. Um, I would do the character bit or I would do, um, um, I was, what did I do? Was I pan? I was pan and I was like, we did Alice in Wonderland and I ran off with, I was the knave of the heart, the one who pinched the tarts. Oh yeah, the yeah. Tarts, the queen of hearts. Tart, something, <laughs> that thing. And so I, and I had to pick up one of the little ones and go, ha, run off with them. So, and <laughs> I was always sort of given, and, and um, we did uh, Swan Lake. No, which, when, where's Maleficent? Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. And I remember my the, the ballet teacher that this was like a massive thrill to me when the ballet teacher said, I'd like you to have a go at Maleficent. I was like, yes. <gasps> and she said, now, how can you do a really good? Let me hear how you can do a good laugh. And I was just it was just my utter moment, you know. Yeah, I'm funny like that. Yeah. Well, I'm training and all I wanted to do was go. ha ha ha. <laughs> Ah, no, that makes sense when I read the rest of your bio. Wow. So how did you, what is the um, oh, how connection? Did I get to the, yeah, like the deciding bells. to go to, to Bluebells. And... Well, I had a teacher, ballet teacher, and she just said to me, I, we, just when I was um, coming to the end there at Tring, she said to me, you should go and um, you need to get your equity card. And to get your equity card, you need to work. And you should go to Paris and be a bluebell girl and I think she had been a bluebell girl but a different group a group of slightly smaller girls who went to Japan or something like yeah. that and she said tours too. That went there? there was Japan there was Hong Kong there was Beirut way back before it got before oh, the war gosh and then uh, shorter ones that did tours of Italy so yeah I think the taller ones is it I think when the Lido with Miss Bluebo and that started, that's where they I think they got taller and taller. Yes. Yeah. But that was, um, yes, I'm glad she'd said that actually, but that was then, cause then what did I do? Then I went to, then I went to London school. I went to arts ed in London and then I did a couple of summer seasons and I performed, I did Joseph and then I did um, Greece the musical Greece. <laughs> I love that. I was cha-cha. Oh, I love yes. <laughs> the yeah, most I dancing in the show is cha-cha. Oh, it was so and wonderfully choreographed by a good friend of mine there, Tracy Collier. I mean, it was, yeah, that, that was good. Um, oh, I can't remember now what I was saying again. Oh, dear, it's rubbish, isn't it? Well, they, you had you known about the Bluebells and then you... And then you did more schooling, but Bluebells wasn't oh, like your main goal, was it? Or That was it. After I did the summer season, I was back at college. It was the last year we were doing A-levels, art A-level. So my friends and I said, let's go to Paris to go to the Louvre and study some art. So oh. 
that was it. We went off. It, I think it was my friend's father's idea that we should go off. So we went to Paris for the weekend. I remember going to a, to a restaurant and we said, oh, we'll have a salad, please. And they bring you a salad verte. We're like, oh, salad verte. Oh, that sounds nice. But it's a green salad. So it's basically just a bowl of old lettuce. So that's <laughs> all we ate was lettuce and, you know, the, the bread roll. What's that bread? The baguette. Yeah. And that was it. But anyway, um, and we, we went to the Lido. And golly, it was back. We thought it cost the earth, but it was like 30 francs at the time, which was nothing probably compared to how much it costs now. And the waiters were so sweet. There wasn't a table, but they put a table right in the middle at the back by the bar. So we had our own table and I could not believe that we were sitting there watching this show. And I, I had a cigarette. Oh, <laughs> my children are old. I've never touched one. I've never touched one ever. Yeah. But I was having my Saint-Moritz, you know, with the gold thing on the end. And I couldn't, I was so excited. All this was happening. The lights were going down. The, they, the band was playing, the orchestra was playing and the, the dancers were starting to come on and the curtains were opening and the music, bah, 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 you know, that's of affair, et vous faire foi, le show, that whole thing. Because, yeah. Oh my gosh. And I was so excited and I got the end of, I was I had my cigarette and I had my lighter and I lit it and I lit the gold bit, the end. So I was on fire. <laughs> Oh, that's been dramatic oh. right from the start oh my oh, god yeah <laughs> and I, didn't, I was like what's happening Fire. but yeah and so then the next day I went back to the Lido and I was such a fake because I was not there to go to the Louvre I had a plan and that's oh. when I did the thing where I walked up that long foyer with the chandeliers yes. and I went straight to the end and it's just it's that confidence of youth I've no idea I just had this I was a bit dramatic this sense of destiny I walked down there and I just was like yes this is it for me I know it and I went to the end and they I said I'd like to see Miss Bluebell please and they said she's not here but you can see um, the maitre de ballet and Pierre Rombert came out and I said I'd like to be a blue, bluebell girl please and he said well we're currently I'm um, rehearsing the girls on stage would you like to join in so I was like, yes, I have my ballet bag with me, with all my clothing. <laughs> Fabulous. So I just went in and had this fantastic afternoon dancing with these, to me, these girls were like some kind of goddesses, some angels. They were all beautiful. They all amazing bodies. And they were doing this dance. And I just was enjoying myself. I just thought, well, if I'm just happy to be doing this. And so I was dancing with them. And then Pierre called me over and he said, I'd like to, we'd like to hire you. Oh my gosh. That's one of the most what? unusual. Well, this is yeah. interesting too, because if somebody just walked into the Lido, done that beautiful, and they would tell them to go home. So we probably walked in confident and tall and they could tell because normally they wouldn't just let someone go find Pierre. So the, even the, the person oh, yeah. that's new to like give you that and for him to just say, come on back. Cause you know, if somebody else walked in off the street, like I'd like to be a bluebell, you say, thank you, go home, go get that crappy salad. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs> wow. So do you, do, you remember show? <laughs> How, do you remember what show it was that you saw and that you, it was the one you got into. I, so what was your first show? I, 
was that? Was that Cocorico? I don't know what year you're on. I think I'm getting my history. Oh, the one that was just before Panache. It wasn't Alelido. Is that? Was I have this all written down. I still get it. Somebody will correct me because I get them out of order. Yeah, Alelido, oh. Bravissimo, uh, Panache. Was I watching? And the thing was, was that the girl who was the principal dancer, I knew her. She went to train Rachel Davis. She was then. Now she's Rachel Carpenter. Oh, you yeah. Know, I reckon I, I, I haven't met her yet. Rachel, beautiful. She was in Vegas. I think, wasn't she principal in Vegas at one point? I'm trying to get her for an interview. The MGM. She, she shows up on the Bluebell comments. And I'm yes. like, we've been, oh, okay. Yeah. And I didn't realize that it was down. It was up to her. Because she had said she'd met me, she knew me from well, she I'm not sure what it was, whether she knew me from college or she somehow we I remember meeting her anyway, and she had, was the one who said to Pierre, I got a girl I know who'd be a good bluebell. And then she'd said her name's Rachel, and then he said, I've just hired her. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And she didn't know you were coming to Paris, right? Because this wasn't no. like a you're coming to see oh. art. Yeah. Oh my oh, god. Yeah. So this is my art level. Okay. So, so then this is that this happened to somebody else where they they got hired and they came on a trip and say bye bye I'm staying here and you're going back. So the people you came with, like no oh. idea you're auditioning or and did you get hired like you have to go home and get all your things and move back no. right away? You had no. some time. I I was um, I was a bit scared. I didn't want to do it straight away. Because he was saying he wanted me to be something like a holiday replacement. Okay. So to, 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 you know, basically join straight away. And I was a bit, I held back and I didn't start till the following March. Yes, I was a bit, I was, you know, I don't think I was ready. It was a bit of a shock. There I was like, oh, yes, I wanted to be a bluebell girl. But then when he gave me the job, I was like, oh. Like right now. (laughs) Well, also, I think some people like, what do you have in your suitcase? You're going to live here, and maybe your parents will send. I mean, it's kind of nice if you have a little bit of time to say your goodbyes or or plan your switch over your life. And but some people like, okay, I'm moving here today. It's it's can be all over the board of how we all got in there. Wow. Yeah. No, I don't think I could have done that. I wasn't quite ready. Were your your family happy for you? Because people, they, oh, do they yes. know the Bluebells? Because I think that's different here in America. We have to explain who Bluebell oh. is, but they knew the reputation. They knew the Lido. They knew what you just got hired for. They knew they knew that and they were absolutely thrilled. And I was in all the newspapers in <gasps> me. Wow. Everywhere you look, there was another picture of me um, doing my ballet. All my pictures were like ballet pictures of me and doing an arabesque. Very sweet. Or just me smiling, doing. but um yes it was I think was that when I went they took me on to I had a did a talk I did a a, oh dear me I'm so good at interview I can't talk an interview (laughs) um on the radio on the beef on the television um with the the Welsh BBC and uh they get they uh said oh yes oh no welsh girl goes to be a bluebell girl and um they they brought out this incredible costume they had and i put that on for the for the show 
it was it was beautiful costume i wish i i think they should have let me have it really but there we are <laughs> but um yeah so it was it was quite a big well you know quite a big thing and then my parents then were interviewed but they they, they got they didn't like it they were oh, like a yeah. bit <laughs> so are you yeah i remember are you are you how are you are you proud of your daughter they just both went <laughs> you were the one it. meant to be in the limelight maybe not the parents oh bless wow. but yeah oh. so what did you do in that time in between to kind of tie up loose ends or just you were you knew you were going back oh, to- do you know I joined I thought I wanted to do something to prepare me for the lead I was a bit I think I was a bit nervous about you know you know like the g-strings and that sort of thing that sort of sexy thing I was a bit shy I was a bit worried about it yeah you know I was like "Ooh, I don't know um so I joined a troupe called the Paradise Diamonds (laughs) in London and um I actually met a girl doing that who then went on to be incredible can-can dancer at Moulin Rouge I'm gonna oh dear I can't Helen I'm gonna forget her last name dearie me sorry Helen if you're listening I can't remember your <laughs> last name it'll come to me but um so and we did we went to some kind of disco and did a show and we had sort of um it was a little slightly a bit sort of like um a bit of a little black leather thing going on and we like had to walk about the stage and be a little bit sexy I didn't really like it I was like I didn't like doing that but it was it was actually a good experience and the the woman um Rogers Roger God, I can't remember his name and Miranda I think Miranda had been a bluebell girl and she was very helpful and it, just things like walking around in the high heels and putting on the fishnets and just holding yourself in a different way on stage it wasn't like yeah it wasn't jazz hands and it wasn't ballet so it was like something else but I I I got it I did get it in the end but you know I mean and thing is is once I went over to Paris and the show that was we would panache was all that whole big opening was non-stop musical theatre Hollywood stuff the whole show so I was just like, I'm absolutely in heaven. I'm doing, there's no business like show. I mean, I was doing that. Uh, wow. So, I think yeah. Panache, because I was in Hello Hollywood, Hello in Reno. And, I, and that, I think Panache, because there was Top Hat, was Top Hat in Panache? In yes. Fred Astaire? Because I think we had that. Yes. And, and also in uh, Jubilee, there was one of those. I think that's definitely Don Arden thing was that golden era of Hollywood and the Fred Astaire. Oh. So you're thinking when you say, when people think Parisian cabaret, it's like it's such an American influence because of Donard was so influenced. So if you get to do your musical theater and be a showgirl in the same show, because that's uh, that's the best of both. It's like, no, you're not just wearing feathers. You get to do these really fun old school musical things in there. So what was it like coming in and rehearsing? Do you remember what you're what you're, you know, moving in and getting into rehearsals and finding, you know, who Um, you're going to be your friends and support? I remember being quite scared and saying um, goodbye to my parents. And it was funny. I must have been sort of doing that thing where you try to detach yourself. I was just turned, I hadn't, I turned 20 on my opening night. Oh, well, it was great March birthday. The 5th. Yeah. 
And so the month before that, mum and dad took me over. So I was 19. And I remember all that day, I, I trying to just, being really mean to them, like grumpy as anything. Like, oh, yeah. for goodness sake, that's a silly idea. No. And I was just awful. And then we sat down to have pizza and I just suddenly burst into tears because the, the reality that they were going and I was staying. And I was just so nervous. So I just, I always wanted to, um, you know, be good. I was just like, oh, I hope I'm going to be good enough. And I was always worried about being, because they were the showgirls are just so, so, you know, they were just amazing, so beautiful. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But um, yes, so that first month, it just got easier. Mm. And I, but I do remember getting, I was so worried about dancing in the heels. Even though I'd had a little go, it just felt so weird. I think it felt weird because I had a pair of rubbish little shoes. They had a, they were, they were rubbish little shoes, like little fake sort of ball, ballroom dancing shoes. Mm -hmm. with a very wobbly little, little kitten heel. Yep. And um, I was just wobbling around all over the place, like going over my ankle. And, so, and then you get your shoes made for you. That's the best and part. that was just I couldn't believe because then suddenly they I mean they were I you know they fit my foot and I could and then it just then I started getting used to the whole the the nights and the mm. and then we moved an apart into a different apartment my friend and I and then and that was the Garrett apartment that with I'd always seen in the French movie in the Hollywood movies where you've got the view of the rooftops of Paris. Oh. I was like, oh, this is it. This is. And then I got a cat. <laughs> and you're settled. Uh, uh, did you come in the beginning of Panache or did you come in to replace somebody? Oh, no, I was a replacement. I came in. Um, it, I think that when I left, I was there for just two and a half years. And when I left, it was very quickly after that. Bravissimo or something, I think, straight after when I left. So I think, oh, I've lost you. Are you there? No, I'm here. Oh, yeah. I can still see. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting of how short some of those shows ran. And now, like Jubilee and Vegas went like 35 years. Hello, Hollywood 11. But that was a turnover. It's still kind of, it's, it's interesting to hear. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, all that money for two years. But maybe, you know, you've got a full I house did. and money's coming in. But how quick but the turnover how is. And Ash had been going for a while before I went there. I think okay. I did I see Panache then? Perhaps I did see Panache. Maybe that was actually. I think I did see Panache. But though I do remember uh, an aeroplane on the oh I'm confused. I can't remember. But um but I I loved it there, but just before I left the Lido, there was talk of a new show coming to the Moulin Rouge. And this guy who's worked with Michael Jackson. Billy Goodson. I love Billy Goodson. So I know. And, you know, I, I, because, again, I was doubting myself. I didn't know what to do. And I went to see Miss Bluebell. I went to her, her house. She invited me for tea. And mm. It was um, an apartment on the Avenue, Avenue Hosh, I think. Beautiful apartment. French maid opened the door in the outfit. You know, oh. the little thing yeah. here. Um, and Miss Bluebell said to me, go 
and spread your wings. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. That, that's come up a few different ways with people like when the, because there's people I know are working for producers, like don't leave me or you're not good enough to work in, or you'll never work for anyone else. They have this way to make them afraid to leave and, or feel indebted. And I've heard that from, cause that, that means they care about you, but also if you choose to come back, you're going to come back with more experience, but that, that part is um, surprising of what I hear in contrast of other dance, everything. Like they want to keep you there. They don't want you to know there's anything that could be better for you or that you could grow. So what a gift to not leave feeling guilty or like you're obliged to well, stay. I think, well, Miss Bluebell wasn't really, she didn't really have very much to do with anything. It was, it was Pierre. Oh, really? oh that was already switched over. Yeah. She was, she was, oh. yeah. But, um, but it was, it was just, I don't know. I don't know why I thought to even do, oh, I know. I think it was because, because I'd met her at having that photograph and we were holding hands and I, we were just, and she was holding my hand and I was holding her hand and we just didn't want to let go. It was like, I don't know what that was about. I can't remember, but it, we, we oh. were just holding hands. And I think maybe I'd spoken to her then. And that's when she invited me for tea. Really? And then I went to speak to her and that's when she said, just go, go and spread your wings, dear. So oh. I, that's then when I went to join the Moulin Rouge. And at one point I was doing both. I was working at the Moulin Rouge in the afternoon and then dancing at the Lido at night. That was very difficult. Yeah, that, that was when was during rehearsals for Moulin? Because that was a, that's a lot of dancing. It was a lot, but I was, I was sort of, um, was I? I didn't really have a position as such. I was just sort of learning the dances. I wasn't one of the soloists or anything but I really want to be one of the soloists really hard. And I really, I wrote a great big long letter to Clerico asking. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote it in French. I have no idea. I remember giving it to him and he had a little smile on his face that I must've had the most silliest French ever. But I remember saying to him, oh, I know I was, it was because I was friend of Debbie de Coudreau and she'd helped me. She was going away and I was her replacement, which was the oh. dream because it was like a, I was singing my heart out, even though I was lip syncing today. Yeah. I was singing. I sang my heart out that night when I was doing her thing. And I'd said to Mr. Clerico, we're not like pieces of furniture. You can't just move us around. I don't know why I said that, but I remember that. <laughs> you, I, I oh, said it in French probably really, yes. But, uh, and then after that, I saw the show Cats in French in Paris. And I thought, now that's the kind of dancing I haven't done for many years. I don't even know if I could still do something like that. God, I wonder if I could still do that. And I was so, I didn't know what on earth was going on in that show. It was oh, French. Yeah. The whole cat's as complicated as it is without it being in <laughs> French. And I just thought, I, oh, um, but something struck me and I thought, that's it. And that's then when I went to Miss Doris and I said, I wanted to be um, a soloist for the next show and um she gave not the next show the next contract mm -hmm. because I'd been sort of like a replacement or something oh dear it all goes a bit muddy doesn't it 
as you get older. Yeah. But she um, she said, um, yes, fine. No, no, we're not going to. And then finally she gave me the contract. Oh, I know I was asking to be principal. That's what I was asking. And she said, you can be a soloist and actually have it now on your contract. And by that time, I was a bit fed up. So I was like, I want to be a soloist. I want to be the principal. And I just said, actually, it's okay, Tract. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go and do what I want to do. What I really want to do is musical theatre, and that's what I'm going to go. And she said to me, nobody has ever left the Moulin <gasps> and gone and ever done any kind of musical theatre. That's what she actually said. Oh, that's really, I, didn't, I don't want to say bad things because I like Miss Doris. She was a real character. But she did say that. She did sort of say, yeah. no. So that's that thing that you were saying about someone being a bit miffed, a bit cross yeah, that you yeah. said, I'm going to go. She was a bit miffed that I'd said <sighs> that. And she said, I, just, oh, no, I, no, have you won't. I have a friend that did a different producer, which I won't say was with them for years and and uh, she wanted to do Broadway and like no you'll never make it she has been on, was on Broadway for 20 years she's in the movie Chicago she's <gasps> in Fosse she was in Chicago but she was told you'll never make it and so whatever those voices are that's what I think it comes up over and over either someone said go spread your wings dear or no you can't of what we listen to it's just like your career could be switch that fast by someone either saying it's not worth it and you saying oh you're right or like I'm going anyway or I yeah there's what is it that made you did you think you could do it or you wanted it bad enough to leave that you didn't listen to that that wanting to keep you there oh, oh yes I I when I first went to Paris I was only going to Paris that so that I could get my equity card oh. because if you do if you work abroad it counted at that time towards getting your equity card, which is what you need to work in London. You need, it's this weird sort of catch 22 where you can't work without it, but you have to work to get it. Yeah. And um, I, so I only went to Paris to get, I, I got kind of distracted, you know, and being in Paris for four, I was there like four and a half years. I never intended to stay there for that long. And, um, so that's, I just sort of suddenly realised, oh, yeah, don't forget what you actually want to do with yourself. And I was a bit, you know, I just thought, oh, if I'm not going to climb the ladder at the, mm. at the you know, and be, be that beautiful showgirl, if I'm not going to get the lead, because I'd had a taste of it when I did the, the manures, the yeah. death of the show, I had a real taste of it. And I thought, oh, now this is what I want. Yes. That was it. I wasn't after the principal dancer. I was after the, you know, the singer of the show. That's yeah. Right. And I did an audition and did a singing audition and everything. Oh, now it's all coming back. There we are. God, I really go. I just talk a bit, don't I? No, but it's, so, it's it, it all one little question. Like we'll dislodge oh, something in our brain and everything starts bad. coming up. Just that's be prepared. You're going to probably start having weird dreams because once we start talking about it, it all starts coming back in Technicolor and like, oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Oh, no, yeah. I've like, got it in my head now. I've got all the, it's all there. Yeah. Where I was in the room with Miss Doris and being on the stage with that outfit Wow. Um, and it was Paris, je t'aime, je t'aime. Oh dear. Oh yeah, I could really go. But um, 
that's when I thought, no, don't forget what you really want to do. And then I was on a big mission. And I didn't really want to leave Paris, really. And I was sad. Oh, I was sad to go. And when I got back, I remember going, actually went back to my parents' home and sat in the garden and just was weird, very quiet and weird and sort of trying to process it, I think. Because really, I I didn't know what I was going to do next. Really, I mean, I knew I wanted to do musical theatre at some point, but I just thought, uh, oh. And then that's when Billy Goodson somehow was connected and there was Anna Davis and I had a phone call and I ended up going to Madrid. And I did a show with Rich Rizzo. Was choreographing, and I always thought that Rich Rizzo was the name of a dance step. Oh, really? Realized that because they would say do the Rich Rizzo and do the Rich Rizzo, and so there I was, and it—that's that's the actual Rich Rizzo. Um, and was Billy there? Billy was there for a bit, and um, Bill Lloyd. So I worked, and oh, I'm. Oh, that was an incredible eye-opening time working with those all American. The whole cast was American. There was two or three of us who were British. Really? And I, I was just like, I'm with my people. Yeah. <laughs> they were so, oh, they were so lovely. They were so lovely. And I met my bestest friend, Louise. And that was, oh, that was a wild time in Madrid. What a crazy we would do our show, then we would go to the nightclub. And then as we were leaving the nightclub at three in the morning, all the people who lived in Madrid were coming in and just starting <laughs> their evening of fun at three in the morning. And then wow. of course they'd have their siesta then and sleep in the afternoon. So yes, and then I, oh no, no, did I do Italy first? No, I went to Italy first. That's where I met Anna doing a TV show, Serata d'Onore, in Italy. And that's then when I met Anna Davis. And then and then I went to, I can't remember, Madrid, which was first. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah. Then, wow. Then that, was, that was just an incredible experience. So I did a lot of shows after Bluebell, but that, it was just fun to, to do different locations. And some people oh. love being in Paris all the time. I was just like, what's next? So to get to have a different cultural experience, a smaller show, bigger show, different styles of choreographer, it just felt like I liked how everybody kind of found what worked for them. But after a year, I was like, I, I need to see more of the world. I wanted Where to, did you I, go? I started in Reno with Hello Hollywood. Hello, that's Bluebell, Don Arden. Then I went to Puerto Rico. And there's so many of us that overlap of like producers. That was uh, Ashton, Barry Ashton. And then I worked for Miller, uh, Miller Reich in Montreal. And then I worked for Norwegian Caribbean with Gene and Ryan. And then I worked with Greg Thompson in Bermuda. And then oh. I went back. With, so it was just like, what is, what is the next adventure? But I know for some people getting to have your apartment, I just have to know what happened to your cat. Where did your cat go when you left Paris? Did you take your cat oh, with you? Oh, my cat. <laughs> well, my cat, he was called Byron after Rue Lord Byron that is that where the stage door is of the Lido. 
so it's well, yes lord byron and i like like lord byron's poetry anyway but so byron and he wasn't a, you couldn't have called him fluffy because he had this face you know he would just sit and look at himself in the mirror so byron beautiful i my friend evica who was at the moulin rouge and she used to do the with the python oh yeah do carry this massive python and Evico's fantastic, gorgeous. She had a cat called Condor. And she said, I will take Byron. And I was like, <laughs> really, would you? Because the quarantine was six months. I thought, no, can't put him in quarantine for six whole months yeah. to get him back into England. So um, and so I so the minute um, Byron and Condor looked at each other, they both did that thing, ears flat. <laughs> they were just so scary. <laughs> they hated each other. And I said, oh no, it's not gonna go to plan. She said, leave it. What we will do is you stay here the night. We will talk all night and we will drink and have a lovely night. And the two cats will lock them in the bathroom together. So the noise was unbelievable. <laughs> All night long. In the morning, we opened the door. I thought they're going to be dead. The two of them curled up together. Oh my gosh. Sleeping in love. Oh. So I was that's why I said goodbye to Byron and he I knew he was going to be happy with Condor. I knew there's other people like, I have to know about the cat. Because that's part of the life too, is like, do you set up and become part of the city? get a cat, buy plants, you know, decorate because you might only be there for a few months. And I am such an animal person. So saying goodbye to my family was hard, but saying goodbye to my dog, you know, oh, and like send me pictures oh. of the dog. But if you're an animal lover in that kind of life, you can't normally get it. When I was in Montreal, there was a dancer. I love his French, Gijon. And he had a, I was saying, I miss my animals. He goes, do you want to just borrow my cat? And he hated his cat. So he let me rent, borrow his cat from my seven month contract. The cat's name was Wallis. He was also pretentious in French, but he said, I also call him shithead. And I went, oh, that's terrible. So this cat was a shithead and he would like <gasps> pee on my dance clothes and shred things. And then when I was done with my contract, I gave shithead Wallis back to Gijon. And I, I've heard other people have done that. I just need a pet. Like, well, you can borrow one. Don't buy one and then leave them there. Cause it's a hard thing. If you want to feel cozy somewhere, but you know, you're not really putting roots down. And so I just had to know what happened to the cat. I'm sorry that took us somewhere, but that was a great story of them in the bathroom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It was mad. Oh, but he was a beautiful cat. He was, I loved him. And he would climb on the bed. He would wait, he'd prowl up and down. And then he'd jump on the, onto my toes. And I could feel him walking up my whole body, walk, walk with his paws 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 then he'd plonk down on my pillow and slap his paw on my cheek and we'd go to sleep like that oh, oh that's so him. cute yeah oh. but yeah then after that then it was back to london and hard work to try and get into cats four years of trying really like that's, that's several auditions and training and just it was I auditioned for there was like the Australian company were coming into London. So I auditioned for that one. Then there was another one. There was a German one. There was um, lots of different ones. So I can't remember that it took me four whole years. 
And what I needed to do was find a really good singing coach. And I, and I luckily got in with the, one of the top ones, this woman called Mary Hammond, and she began the musical theatre course at the Royal College of Music. I mean, normally you wouldn't have musical theatre at the Royal College of Music, but she started this amazing course and she helped me and she gave me this audition piece that just she knew that it would suit me. And um, the, it was from Evita and it was very low at the end. It goes, star quality, like that. And I said, I can't, that sounds stupid doing that. Star quality. And she said, forget that bit, don't worry. Just shout it at the top of your voice. And that's what I did in the audition. So I did the whole song. And at the end, I went, star quality something like that and uh, and that was it that was the one oh, I oh finally after the whole four years of waiting, waiting, waiting um because they, they knew the, the one tall cat for a girl so that's cassandra the Siamese. so um you know unless you've got someone who's about to leave the company you can't get in so yeah. i was lucky because they were doing a tour of the UK. So it was like a brand new cast. They needed a brand new cast. So that's what I did first of all, was the tour of the UK. And, uh, and then I got, then after we toured, we then went in, into London. And then there I was doing Cats. But you oh know, I was still not happy. Really? Yeah. What was missing? Um, I think that it was being a little cog in a massive wheel. I didn't like it. Uh. And the fact that if I, if I was doing some of the choreography and then I thought I would do my own little extra thing, then they come, would come down on you like a ton of bricks because you have uh. to, what was I doing? Buster for Jones is not skin and bones. And then I said, in fact, he's remarkably fat, but I should have done it. In fact, he's remarkably fat, and I should have sung it, but because I spoke it all, and I didn't like that, because I was like, oh, I wanted to, and anyway, what I really wanted to do by that time was do my own show. So that mm. was the, finally, because that's really what I wanted to do when I was a little girl, was do my own show. Because there was this woman called Joyce Grenfell, who was a huge, wonderful, performer clever woman wrote her own scripts and did very funny characters and just she I I just idolized her and I wanted to be like her and so that's what I ended up doing did you write your own show was it um well, was a one-woman show right moved to LA, I finally was like okay I don't want to do another year in cats hmm? what's that Oh, did you write? You did you write your own show? I thought we're getting the, yeah. it's getting glitchy here. So you 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 moved to LA. So then, um, once I come out of Cats, um, it, to do with what work my husband was doing, they were opening up a new um, office, and we just got married, and we said, uh, everyone's saying, "Oh, where are you going to settle down?" We were like, oh, don't know. I don't think we're going to settle down nowhere. We're going to LA. Bye. And off we went. 
and we were going to be there just for a short while. We said to all our families crying, waving at the airport, it'll just be a year, 11 years. <laughs> I had my two children there. In LA. I got two American girls, yeah. And, um, and we, I, oh, I mean, gosh. And then in LA, I met up with all, there was Billy, there was all these people, my friends who were in Madrid and friends and also dancers from um, the Lido were there in LA. And I just had a, we had a wonderful, fantastic time. <sighs> and I went, and, and then I did a show with my friend and we did, performed it in Las Vegas. At the Hard Rock Cafe. Really? Was it a two-person yeah. show or like a production? Two-person show. Um, not particularly imaginative, but <clears throat> the Brit British girl and the American girl. So the American girl was doing all um, street dancing. And I was like, oh, I don't think I can do it. I like to do my ballet. And we just did funny little sketch comedy. And we did some singing and dancing. And oh, yeah, it was good. It was a good show. <clears throat> so did your one woman show come after that did you and just then, say time for yeah. my own thing because I'd started then doing sort of characters and I was doing this opera lady and I was doing that in the basement of um what was it Mick Michele Mick, Mick something it's Italian place oh where is that anyway in LA and so then I was doing my opera lady um and it sort of grew from there and then, and then that was it. Then I had my babies. And, so, and I think then, by then, I sort of felt like it was time to go and I wanted to be, see my family again. So we moved back to, to uh, Wales. Really? Although, yeah, I don't know. I mean, every now and again, we have that, oh, we should have stayed in LA. Yeah. But, but you know, I don't know. It was, I wanted my, my children wouldn't have known we lost my father soon after that we moved back and that would have been horrible if he'd gone while I was still in LA yeah and then um and my kids so they knew him and they they got to know our family and you know so yes and then I started doing carrying on I carried on then doing a version of a one-woman show because then I got into because over over in, what they've got over here is they have various sort of um, clubs. Um, they have something called Probus and they have the WI, the Women's Institute and those kinds of things. So then I started giving talks about my life as a dancer. Yeah. <clears throat> which were, which through so that sort of spread, I was lucky through word of mouth. So I was very busy doing lots of, giving lots of talks. And that was really, really great. And that, that just got me back on stage, you know, inverted commas, so to speak, got me back into it again, even though I had yeah. a baby. I was like, Do oh, yes, there's a showbiz right there. Do you know Rowena Harker, leader? She was in the her first cast that came to the Stardust, the Lido in um, Vegas. It was Miss Bluebell's first show. But she does public speaking about her life as a Bluebell. Because in England, wow. they're very interested. We're in America, don't you don't know, you don't have really a starting point for people to even get it. But she said, people are just so fascinated. And there's a lot of people that don't even remember what a bluebell is anymore, which is sad. Yeah. But she is so animated. She wrote a book and I'm like, well, that's still performing, like public speaking. And you're getting to still stay connected to that part of your life. But you're, you don't have to sing or sing your face anymore. You get to just 
share a story, but it is like a one woman act without having to warm up maybe. Yes, absolutely. And you don't need, um, I missed a bit. You said she wrote a book. Oh yeah. It's called uh, love and romance around the world. She's so funny. She's just got this great sense of humor and she's in her eighties and she's still getting hired to come out and speak about her life as a blue belt. And then she was also a flight attendant who turned down Cary Grant. And then she's also uh, manages music festivals. So she's in demand. And I'm actually going, I have a, a it's coming to happen soon. A big, a, a lecturer on cruise ships have talked about blue, blue bells around the podcast of guests and the history. And I go, I don't know if people are interested, but I was on a cruise ship and I sat and learned about pirates and other things that seem interesting to people on ships. I'm like, well, let me bring out some feathers and like talk about what that life was like. Cause most people that's just a you know little peek in. They don't like, well, what do those dancers do besides the show? Do they live in their palace or like, do they sleep with their eyelashes? <laughs> like they have no idea that, you know, we're regular people. Maybe we don't want to let them know that we have regular lives, but it's, it's kind of a fascination. And I don't, I think it might be going away as far as the interest in it. I want to bring up something that you said to one of the articles about the Lido, like about nude women walking around nude on stage of what that brought up in you. Do you mind sharing that? Cause we're going to wrap this up, but I kind of want, I thought that was really interesting about that. Ooh. And I also wanted to hear you talk about going back into Paris of what that, how that affected you. Cause we're reconnecting with that part of us. A lot of us, so many because of Facebook and the reunions and the podcasts is we're, we're kind of remembering oh, okay. what it was like Where, at that time. Um, I went, I, um, uh, oh, what was the first thing? <laughs> about just reading that about the critique now in the papers oh, yes. I, about I, about I, women being nude and like oh there was an article because I was trying to find out what was going on with the leader and I was like is there some way can we contact somebody can we stop this what's happening <clears throat> and there was this long article it was well written and they weren't really trying to to put anybody down it was a woman author but it was a little interesting question where she just said um, and is there a place, you know, what does this mean now that the Lido is closing? Does it mean that there isn't really a place for women walking around topless on stage? Perhaps there's just no place for that anymore. And it kind of, I sort of thought, oh, oh, is, is that what's happening? So that it's actually, it's really going to be a thing of the past that people say, you did what? You know, like years, you know, years in the future, mm. they'll look back and go, women used to do this weird thing. But, and it, so then I felt really shocked and I just thought, oh no. And then I thought, no, I don't think, I think it's, and if there's enough people still talking about it, and it's really, for me, doing that was, it wasn't so much, oh, it's topless or, oh, it's sexy. For me, it was because it was in France. Yeah. And that's what you do when you're in France. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I probably wouldn't do it here. I wouldn't go in my one woman show and go, hey, folks. Da, da, da. <laughs> I mean, I get my fans out, but I wouldn't get anything else out over here. But I mean, but I would over there. Well, perhaps I wouldn't now. Perhaps I wouldn't now. Hmm. I don't know. But yeah. um Yes. And then what, the other thing was, um, oh, that you went back to Paris. I loved was before we, we recorded of how you felt young of just being oh. back in Paris and what that experience and seeing old friends. And, and that, yeah. that's a part that's like I, people are reconnecting 
because of Facebook and reunions that we kind of lost each other and now we're finding each other where it feels like you had said with the pandemic, it felt even more special to know there's a community out there and we're finding each other while we're stuck in our homes and especially the beginning of the pandemic. I know. And I was, um, I was frightened. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. We kind of glitched there Uh, for a second. We had a little, (laughs) um, I, I, um, I was so frightened of Facebook and every post, even now, it's such an effort to do a post and to get the photos in there. And then you say something and you're like, oh no, I've said that. And I get so stressed. And then you put the post out and you're like, oh, I don't know if anyone's going to see it or anyone's going to say anything. Oh, and it's just a bit of a thing. Um, and so that was just amazing. That first, when I first started Facebook in that lockdown in the t- March 2020, I just couldn't believe. I was like, what's this? Bluebell? Bluebell's forever. And that was you. And I listened to a podcast and then I was, um, I was like, oh, showbiz is still out there because I was thinking I'd, I'd somehow gone into this ridiculous, what, what was I thinking going into a, um, a um, oh dear, what's the word? Kind of a career or a business? A career. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The, the, the um, going into a career where it's, it's, it's a useless career. And I got really upset because everything was shutting. And our um you know the performance just the performance uh oh dear career or whatever just seemed to be just shot down yeah. just it was just shot down no value nobody else it was like all the other oh, have a go to the pub and all that yeah 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 all restaurants we try and keep do our best to keep that but anyone in showbiz was just like forget that yeah. no don't need that out and <sighs> so um the fact that talking to people and reconnecting with friends and then there was the Lido group and then there was the Moulin Rouge girls group um oh it was fantastic it was an absolute lifesaver you know so yeah that was great and then and then there was the when I went back to Paris when my friend Marissa was she was going over for her father's her her father-in-law's funeral I think and I then said well I'm not going to go all the way to Australia to see you but I will go to Paris so there we were that weekend and first of all when I first got there I was in the taxi and I was looking for them for the Moulin Rouge I knew that at some point now we were going to pass I could tell oh gosh here we are we're coming to Paris now I'm going to look at the Moulin Rouge I can't wait and I, you know, I looked the wrong way. I was looking over there, and I, and that, and it was over there. And I just said to the <gasps> taxi driver, "I can't believe I missed it. How did I even miss it? Because it was smaller than I thought." And it, and then I started looking. And I was like, "Ooh, it's a bit dirty in Paris. Oh, funny, didn't remember it like this." And then, how much then I changed over the course of those two days going back to the Lido, walking down that long foyer, seeing there was Suzanne at the front there, and then Marie-Pierre came out and walked up to me, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'd forgotten, because she looked at me in my eyes, and I thought how tall she was. Then I realised, oh, I'm tall. Mm. I forgot. I forgot (laughs) I was tall. And, um, And it was just being there, and then I saw the show, 
and I wasn't really, I wasn't that sure about shows, to be honest, but uh, we'll keep that to ourselves. Um, but I, it was just, yeah, gosh. And then I went zooming over to see the show at the Moulin Rouge, and that show was beyond what they've done to, I mean, it, it was just fun and joy and sexy, but in a lovely, jolly way and in a proper music hall, music hall theater, vaudeville. I mean, it was just how, that, that's how it should be. That's how that show should be. It's a bit tongue in cheek, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not supposed to be serious and noir is what I don't think. But, um, I just cried. I just can't. I started with a sort when I stood in front of the needle, I was like, oh, and I just absolutely, it was like I'd gone back in time and I remembered who I was for a moment. <sighs> oh, that's what I did. Then I put that, I put that whole thing in my talk and I was, and then I started crying. I was talking to a whole huge, gosh, yes, that, that was the, when I did talk to about 400 people. Um, a load of ladies and then as I was remembering it and I was saying oh do you know I'd left a piece of me behind when I left Paris and when I went back that time I I got it back I got that piece of me back again and then I started crying and I said do you know at one point I even forgot the word sequin what kind of showgirl forgets the word sequin and then I was crying and they were crying and then anyways, but when I was there, I, um, yeah, I got, I cried the whole time. I just cried a lot seeing people from the past. And, oh, that's the other thought I had was I remember when I was in Paris and everybody kept talking about the people before. Everyone kept talking about this beautiful girl, Belinda. Those were the times. And somebody's the show in time. And I always felt like, oh, I didn't really have a golden time. But when I went back, that when I, you know, as what talking about, you know, and I, I saw everybody again with Marissa and went to nude, I just saw Terry. That's when I realized we did have a golden time. It was just everybody around us was saying, oh, you know, like back in the day, those were the days. But you didn't really realize that actually you were having your oh, day yes. there and oh, then. Oh, gosh. You know? Oh. oh. So, yeah. There's quite a thing. There's, there's something like when I started doing the podcast, it was because I went back to see the end of Jubilee. And then I was curious if these shows were still out there. I ended up doing a trip to Europe by myself and I wanted to see the Mulan. I didn't even look into the Lido, didn't connect my whole connection with Bluebell, but it, I needed to see they were still there. And I realized, when I shut that door, like, okay, now I'm a mother or I don't want anybody to know I did these, I devalued how special it was. And, and like you said, when I went back, I found a piece of me that I had left behind. That's that part to sparkle and, and be big and unapologetic as opposed to like, well, when you're a mother, you know, it's all about your family, your kids. And you kind of forget that you have an ability to, to shine and bring joy. And it's a part that I think the world needs. And like you said, after the pandemic started, the devalue of artists you go maybe what I did didn't matter and it's it's not making world peace but it does help people have joy and we need beauty so I do love when people even tell their story they start to feel that again like yeah this really was the golden time this really was like where I decided who I was 
and like how you decide, like, I want to be the star. I don't want to be, <laughs> and, and, and to actually honor that pursuit, because like for you to be a public speaker, to tell these stories with the animated passion, as opposed to hear some history, you know, with Lido closes, we don't want it to just be like, it was there this many years, this many shows, like, what are the stories? What's, who are these people with how they got there and who they are and what they did after? We do have to end soon. <laughs> um, but I do, I do want to, um, just really briefly bring up that you were teaching dance lessons for people over 50. And I just, without, without going into too, too much, cause I have to be careful on time. What is it that made you decide to do that? And what is it you get out of it? Um, well, I think it was when we lost my dad and my my mum lost her sparkle and I was trying to find something for her and I was thinking gosh it would be good if she could do some kind of exercise because she used to do tai chi with my dad um and then uh, so I was looking and it was driving me nuts because every time I would ring a leisure center they'd say oh it's not in our demographic like they were some kind of robots I said I don't understand what you mean what's that mean well it just means that um we haven't got that demographic and it was awful so um eventually people who knew me said what's the matter with you why aren't you doing anything? Why aren't you teaching our kids? You, you, you're the, you're, you know, this, you've done all of this dancing. You should be, and I, and I felt a bit ashamed. They were doing it on, you know, they were jokey. Yeah. They say, oh, for goodness sake, why didn't you get your act together? So first of all, I started doing some teaching musical theatre to some the local primary school kids and helping out a bit, doing their dances for their shows, their Christmas shows. And then, I don't know, then I slowly just sort of thought, okay, I'll just do, and I had my mum and I said, what can, what sort of moves can you do? And can you turn, can you touch your toe, right? Okay. And then I just started to put together a really good class that get, works everything and it suits, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be over 50. You can be over 75, 80. My mum's 83. She's fantastic. She comes to four of my classes a week. Oh I drag gosh. her. I do. I do drag her along. I do. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're coming. But um, it's and it's been an absolute. I've been doing it now. I can't believe it. Like eleven years, and I've learned from people in the class. I've learned from them and breaking it down because I'm not an actual teacher. I haven't got any teaching degree as such. But I've I learned from the best. Yeah, yeah. People, oh, the choreographers uh, I worked with in Paris and around the world, and doing cats. I mean, I worked with Gillian Lynn for goodness' sake, um, and and the people who the teachers at Tring. Um, so I just felt, and slowly, and I've been getting more and more and more confident. And this whole thing about I'm, I'm so gone there with the well-being and the exercising and pushing them. I'm like, come on now. We're going to do step kicks across the floor and they like it when I say, right, let's do showgirl stuff. Because um, initially I was going to do classes for how to walk like a showgirl. And it just sort of came from that. And it's yeah. never too late to dance. And and what my the people in my class have been saying lately more than ever, they've been saying when I'm doing dancing and it's music, because a lot of people don't not want to do it because they go dancing. Oh. I'm not a professional dancer. Well, you'd have to be a professional dancer. <laughs> Come along and I'll help you do some dancing or exercising and movement and what have you. And um, 
my friend said to me, when I'm doing this, I actually go to a place of joy. Oh, yes. That's what she said. Oh. She actually used that word, joy. Did you really? And then another lady over there then, and lately they've been saying, they've been using that word joy. Oh my, I can't, I can't even tell you. I mean, it was, it's way more than I ever thought when I first started doing these dance classes. And I'm working with another group of people now, um, people who, some of them are sitting down. And then recently I did a sing-along with them. And I just, you know, it's great. Oh it's, my gosh. I, yeah, I, I love it. I've learned, I've learned so much from, you know, people and from doing talks and people come up and they say oh I wish I'd never stopped dancing and you think oh come on it's never too late mm. just oh my gosh that's so yeah. good because it, it's good for the brain but also that's and uh, people that have been dismissed that you don't get to do that anymore or you hurt yourself yeah. and so they start probably believe that and so you're giving them joy and like confidence when I went to the Lido reunion in 2019, they had a dance oh. class on the stage and, and they said only 20. I signed up as soon as it was, it was open, but I also had my second hip replacement. I wasn't sure if I could do it, but I felt 20, like how you said you felt impaired. I felt young and to feel the stage, but when we were done. They were just like, had a little talk with us. And one of the ladies, I think it was a lady, she just said, she said, I don't know why I stopped dancing. And we all started crying and I'm still dancing. I oh. teach dance for a living. I still perform. But it was hearing her say that, like, why did I stop? And to, have, to feel what it felt like to dance. And they modified. They gave us choreography from the show, but obviously they modified it for us. But it was just to remember, like, for some of us, even though we kept doing it, we forgot what it was like to dance professional. And for those who had just stopped dancing altogether, to, to feel like, feel that come up again. Because I think some people, they said they stopped it because it hurt, not their body, but it hurt their heart to not be able to dance how they used to. So they just didn't want to do it if they couldn't do it at that level. So I feel like what you're doing is you're redeeming dance. You're redeeming age. You're, you're bringing yeah. something like everybody can do this. And I actually watched a little bit of a clip on your Facebook of like, oh, this is beautiful. Everybody, 12 year olds, 10 year olds, everybody should be doing this because the collective of moving together is therapeutic. Yeah. We need to be together. We need to move together and like feel the music together. We're so separate and uh, individualistic lately. So it's just like, what is it like to just dance for the sake of yourself and everybody else gets the benefit in the in the room i i just uh, yeah that's that's so lovely it's really lovely to hear that that you said that Thank yeah i you. think you're you're giving them a gift that like you said that you're kind of surprised that it's but it is like people may not be able to identify it but they're saying it out loud like what it's doing for them instead of like you know i burn this many calories or whatever because that's kind of oh, how yeah. we that's like what not what dance really is if we get to the I joy think I part need to I thought perhaps I need to change it and call it movement to music because perhaps sometimes the dance bit makes people get a bit nervous. They think they're expected to do something, like they're expected to kick their leg in the air or expected to be able to do the splits and expected to dance. And they get in a, a little bit of a panic. But I do all lots and lots of exercises and then we do a little dance routine. Sometimes it's like, um, you know, that routine from Night Fever. Yeah, no. Fever, night fever, and it's like a bit of a line dance, or I make up some kind of crazy dance. And what I try to do, we've we've been doing a bit of showgirl to our build a stairway to paradise, brilliant song. Oh my yeah. gosh, I've got a really good version of it, and it's 
all about the right song and the right music. And I walk across and I say, now, come on, lift up your chest, stick out your boobs as far as they will go. Let's go. And we walk across the floor and then I go shimmy and a shimmy. Now you're wearing a massive backpack. And the minute I start telling them about what they're wearing, they lit it. You know, you, you've, got to, you've got to try and connect to somebody's imagination, haven't you? Yes. And it's, and it's sort of more and more I'm starting to really get it and understand what I'm learning from working with people. So, yeah. Oh, this is a great place to end. It's just super hopeful. It's just also that we don't just shut the door in that part of our life, that you're continuing it with your sharing what it feels like, not just telling them, start with them experience and feel it. Like, it's what a gift. I um, want to do this. I want to be doing this when I'm a hundred. That is the goal. That's, that's amazing. The, but can I ask you quickly, quickly, what, so you're proper trained dance teacher. Well, it's different in America. We don't go through the different certifications. Basically, oh, I mean, right. that sounds sad. Anybody could teach. There's people teaching like that maybe shouldn't be teaching. Mine was actually just from dancing professional for so many years. Yeah. And then I opened a school in Seattle because the, there was really good jazz that went away. And there was a lot of us like, well, we want to take a class, but, but jazz dance was kind of looked down on. There was a lot of modern and a lot of ballet and tap and jazz was like, mm. so I opened a studio because there was nowhere for us jazz dancers. And I do have ballet and lyrical and contemporary. We have a ton of hip hop, but yeah, I teach musical theater, jazz. I've been teaching showgirl series and it's kind of what you're like, I'm tapping into like um, the things that hold us back, like people's belief of what it is to be feminine, what it is to be sensual. What it is to take up space, unapologetically take up space. And that gets women crying when they realize they've been making themselves small because like don't shine too much or, you know, your focus is on your family. Or if you are too bright and beautiful, people hate you. There's just all these things that are in our head. So we will just use movement, movement therapy things. I've done a, tra a training kind of in, in um, trauma and, and healing. And so then when we bring the showgirl, we're not just sticking feathers on. They're like starting to feel really brave and regal and I show pictures from the Lido and I show them the, these beautiful women and men and like look at the they, the words that come up with this confident confident brave joy they're not just saying sexy that word hardly ever shows up yeah. it's all about the confidence and the regal and unapologetically shiny <laughs> and what's the age group that you teach then you seem to go across the board yeah, and our studio is adult drop-in, but if the girls that take the showgirl, I have like 40-year-olds down to maybe, I mean, even 50 in the mid-20s, and it's like more oh. womanly, like because I just say we're going to go a little bit deeper than I would do with teenagers of just the messages they've been told about their body. Your body is sexual, or it's going to make men think these things, and like, what is it to have your own body? And yeah. I think I would love for all of us with all of our wisdom and all of our healing and all of our life experience to go back and be showgirls now and not worry if my G-string, you know, my belly's hanging over my G-string, <laughs> yeah. but maybe wear something different. But what would it be like to really get to have that experience again with our growth and our understanding? And it would be a damn good show. Maybe we can tell the Lido like, okay, let's, let's bring back the old broads and we're going to, we're going to like bring it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I had an idea and I wanted to bring my ladies and I'd spoken to the, the, the PR lady for the Moulin Rouge. And I said, I want to do, I just need the right production company. And I was talking to various production companies 
and then it was coronavirus and that kind of stopped uh. it but um yeah to get what I wanted to do was to get my ladies to go and do a dance one dance maybe it was one singular sensation because I took that's one dance I taught them all because I wanted them to do something for Christmas so I said folks lights we've got lights I want lipstick we've got sparkly bow ties horrible sparkly hats I'm gonna <laughs> film it as though it was a performance and they got all nervous and excited and they hadn't you know like it was an actual performance but that's what I want to do that's my dream. So I, nobody <sighs> but pinch it. But, yeah. you know, to, yeah, I've just told the whole world. But um, I just want to get them on a bus and get them over to Paris, get them on that stage yeah. and dance. Uh, and do, but um, that that's that was that's like my next. I, I need to pull my finger out now because I keep mm. talking about it but you know the, and I was scared to talk to production companies and I'm like oh who are these incredible people who make pro tv programs how do they how does that even happen but they do it I don't have to suddenly be uh, learn how to be a cameraman right I don't know you know so um yeah so we have to do it together Shep. I, I feel like that's beautiful I think that there's there's things that are changing because obviously you've seen the Lido change. It doesn't mean anything's going like we're in this phase of like, where, where are we going to land? And like, this is a time to be creative and think outside the yeah. box. And like, just because it's been a certain way, doesn't mean that's how it has to be. So this is yeah. a good place to end. I just so you know, I'm going to do a bluebells in UK trip maybe next year. And anybody who's in the UK that wants to get together, maybe we just like get a van and we put all of us old bluebells and we just do shows in grocery stores. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes. But maybe, but wouldn't it be great? Cause I go, there's so many bluebells in the UK. I'm like, I have to get over to the, to there now and just see you all in person. We did um, the flash mob. Yes. The flash, <gasps> flash mob bluebells something. Don't just show I'm up. I'm not very good at thinking up catchy names. That's, I don't have a skill for that. I've got the imagination and all of that. Um, but I, yeah, I think in a really good, it's not very catchy, is it? We get some time Flash to think. And I think them bluebells. Bluebells in bloom. All the bluebells were in bloom a few weeks ago. So in springtime, we'll just bluebells popping up. We'll just do yeah. Everybody blue, listening. What did you say? The, bluebells in bloom. In bloom. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I love actual bluebells. Yeah, oh, when they popped shit. up, and also with the the thing, the bluebells in my yard were blop, popping up, and then also the forget me nots were side by side, and oh. it made me think of like what's happening with the Lido, the forget me not bluebells. It just felt like these flowers side oh. by side. My garden was such a picture of like don't forget how yeah, don't forget the bluebells and I keep the stories. If we could, how can we get so we need to just get that space that Lido space get on that stage somehow mm -hmm. before they they start work on whatever they it's going to take them ages to do a show what's the leader going to do it's just going to sit there maybe in the meantime yeah. we just keep bringing us all on there doing filming and shows and who wants to yeah. see the old girls come back in yeah so come Rachel on. this was so fun I just love 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 your your vision your humor your passion keep doing what you're doing oh, that's I love what... you I have to tell you a secret that when I first heard your podcast I thought oh, 
I would love to talk to her. And then I got shy. And <gasps> I said, I said to Marissa, how did you get on that podcast? And she said, um, just ask. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to ask. I thought, well, I'll just wait because maybe she'll find me somehow on Facebook. And then it happened. <laughs> it was a bluebell picture because I reach out to people and some people say yes or some people say, oh, I don't know if I'm interesting. I'm like, of course you're interesting. But I just, I kind of started with people I knew. And then Marissa contacted me. She goes, I wasn't a bluebell, but I have stories. I'm like, well, of course you can be on there. And Vicki yeah. um, Higgins, uh, who was not, she was the Mulan. I go with all the stories we overlap. So I'm glad I found you. But anyone listening, if you want you to tell your story, contact me. I would love, because I don't, I don't even know. There's so many of us out there. And I only know, you know, I stalk everybody with their pictures. And then I reach out and say, I want to tell your, your story. Oh, I so think until, you're awesome. You are awesome. Oh, you too. It's like when we find yeah. each other, like what a great group of people that I'm so glad that I found. So ah. until until we dance in Paris somewhere uh, or in, in we will. London, we will. We will. So we goodbye will. to we you will. and to all the Bluebells listening. And then you're going to send me pictures. But that one I'm going to put on the top is that one of you and Liz Bluebell's hands together. That's just um, hearing a little bit more of your story. That makes that picture even more special. So we'll share that. And thank you for taking the time to do this. Not at all. Thank you for asking me. You take good care. You too, Rachel.